Shalom. Welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean Mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis 1-2-3 Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray that you will find this, all of those. Through this program, we're excited to connect you to people and stories in and relating to Israel to give you a window to look through, experiencing aspects of life here that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com and send along any questions and any comments about any topic, anytime. Or you can reach us at genesis123.co or follow and like Inspiration from Zion on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay tuned until the end of the program, where we're also going to share some exciting opportunities. And please feel free to share this with others who you know who also find it of interest. So today's podcast is a little bit different, and I'd like you to pay attention. We are actually sharing a recording of a webinar, a live webinar that was done this week um, on a really, really important topic. And I'm just going to let let the audio roll and let you enjoy and interact with that. It's a very important topic. And then come back at the end to share some announcements. So shalom, everybody. I'm Jonathan Feldstein. Thank you for those of you who are here on time. Um, I have the privilege of serving as president of the Genesis 123 Foundation, and I'm host of today's Inspiration from Zion program. I want to thank you for joining us for this very special and very important conversation. Um, I want to give a special thanks to our panelists, three of the four of whom are here, and I'll introduce them momentarily. The fourth will be joining shortly. Each of, our, each of the panel uh, members are experts in their own right, colleagues and friends. And I'm really excited to have everybody here. I appreciate appreciate them joining me, staying up late here in Israel in order to have this conversation, on, especially on a day that's been somewhat long and stressful here. But that's not really going to be our topic of conversation today. Uh, we, we, each of us, spend most of our waking days working to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel with different I, I don't know if the proper word is niches or Nietzsche, but you'll go with whichever is correct. Um, for us, the issues that became public last week, which are the topic of our uh, conversation today about a bill to further restrict proselytizing in Israel, are very personal. And they impact us each, just on a, not only on a personal basis, but certainly through our work. And these issues have created divisiveness, and that's part of the reason we are here to, together today, not to enhance divisiveness, but hopefully to create understanding. Uh, while these are serious issues to address, uh, what seems apparent is this was sort of like a game of telephone. Uh, I, I'm maybe dating myself. I don't know if kids play that still, but something I played as a child where somebody starts by whispering one thing into the ear of another and it goes around a room. And by the time it goes around the room, a whole different message is communicated. And I feel personally that to a degree, that's the situation that we've been in in the last uh, week plus. Um, from the initial bill that was proposed, which was somewhat vague, to the reports of it, and then people reporting on the reports, then messages were communicated that it, Israel was outlawing Christianity. We're going to address that today. In a matter of two days from when the news broke, 
the bill had been killed, but the damage had been done. Uh, in a sense, the genie was out of the bottle. And for those who heard and believed that Israel was in fact outlawing Christianity and either didn't hear that the legislation had been stopped or just believed the initial news that was reported, we're going to try and correct that and create a, a, a level of understanding. Now, in the last week or so, I've been subject to personal attacks and trolling on one hand and the recipient of pained emails and text messages, mostly from Christian friends around the world. On the other hand, I've spoken to friends who are very troubled by the perception of anything diminishing of religious freedom here in Israel and less enlightened people who actually think that Israel should kick out Christians. Um, it's been a painful and stressful week, coupled with pushing these issues to the back burner, if not even off the stove entirely, by the unprecedented protests that have taken place here in Israel as the result of various uh, political activities. And, and certainly join us in prayer that what the things that took place here in the last 24 hours have waned, if not are waning. While in many ways Israel faces many threats and issues that are existential on a variety of levels, and as important as this issue is that we're going to discuss tonight, it's, under, it's, it's important to understand in the context of this conversation how even something so important can get pushed aside in Israel as quickly as it has been. Today, the goal is to create understanding. I've said that. We're going to try to unpack what happened, how it happened, what it means, and then come back to the reality that there is no legislation that we will be pursued on this at this time, and how do we move forward. To do so, as I said at the outset, I've invited a panel of really wonderful people to be part of the conversation, and I want to introduce them and get into the dialogue that we're here to have. And I could spend several minutes introducing each with his and her credentials and, and decades of experience doing what we do, but I think today in the interest of brevity, in the interest of that we have a lot of issues to get into, what I'd like to do is give you a sense of who's joining us, some of whom you already know, and to let you really get to know them, not through formal introduction on my part, but by hearing what they have to say and hearing their hearts. Mm -hmm. So in alphabetical order today, we have Rabbi Al Adam Eliyahu Berkowitz. He is the senior reporter for Israel 365 News. He made Aliyah in 1991 and served as a combat medic in the IDF. Uh, Adam has had an eclectic career including studying Jewish law, publishing three books, and much more. He currently lives in the Golan Heights with his wife and their four children. Reverend Rebecca Brimmer is the international president and CEO of the Jerusalem-based Bridges for Peace. She represents Bridges for Peace in many venues, globally, in print, radio, television, public meetings, and more. She's an author and editor-in-chief of The Dispatch from Jerusalem, and she and her husband have lived in Israel since 1990. Shirley Burdick is the founder of 10 Gentiles, whose mission is to equip and engage Christians to participate in God's restoration of Israel alongside the Jewish people. She's a fifth-generation Chinese and American Christian. She and her husband have homes both in the U.S. and in Jerusalem, where here they try to spend as much time as possible. And Rabbi Yehuda Glick is not yet with us. There was a delay, but he will be shortly, I hope. Um, he made Aliyah at eight years old, 
He did his military service, including serving in a tank unit, the Intelligence Corps, and also as a combat medic. He's a former Knesset member, CEO of the Temple Institute, and currently serves as president of the Shalom Jerusalem Foundation. He and his wife live in Jerusalem, and he's the proud father of eight children and a growing number of grandchildren. Adam, and, and, and by way of informality, we are dispensing of titles today, and we are going to be in first names, Adam, Becky, Shirley, and Yuda, um, who will be joining us shortly. Um, welcome to Inspiration from Zion. I'm really pleased that you're here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So let's jump in. Um, yeah. Each of us had parallel conversations with one another last week when the bill was proposed and before, I think, yeah, before it was knocked out. Um, what's your sense of uh, any any op- opening comments, but what's your sense of how and why all this happened and then how it became the public storm that it did? And for now, we'll just stay in uh, in alphabetical order. Adam, you want to jump in? Yeah. First of all, everyone I spoke to, um, and I wrote two articles on it uh, so far, uh, everyone I spoke to said that this never had any chance of uh, of going anywhere. Um, this has been brought up by this 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 bill has been brought up by um, Gafni Moshe Gafni um, from the Haredi Party uh, every every Knesset since 1995, um, and he does it to make his voter base happy to say yes we stand against missionizing. Uh, to be really blunt and honest, they want to say we stand against Christianity. Um, and that makes him popular with his people. Uh, it never had a chance of getting anywhere. Josh Reinstein had a very, uh, of the caucus, um, he had a very interesting take where he said um, that the media was trying to use this to motivate the the Christians against um, the judicial reform. Which actually sounds pretty, uh, pretty plausible since that's the big, re- literally burning issue in Israel right now. Um, there's burning in the streets. Uh, and the reason is because the, the, the Christians would be, oh, we need protection and therefore we need a strong court. So we have to knock down the judicial reform. Uh, there's no, uh, specific political figure you can point at and say they did that. But this was um, this was seemingly an attempt to do that, since it's it was really a non-issue from the sure. get-go. Well, it was a non-issue, and you're correct in pointing out that this is something that uh, Moshe Gaffney has brought to Knesset many times before. But something unique happened in the sense that it was reported about differently, yeah. and it wasn't reported about in the New York Times. It wasn't reported about in the Jerusalem Post. It first came out in all Israel news. Uh Becky, what, what what's your thought about, I mean, did that, was that just pouring fuel on a fire and then throwing in a bomb? Well, I, I'm not in, I'm not inside their minds to know what their motivation was. Um, but I, I do, I do think that Christians and Jews think differently on some things. And so what to um, Adam might not be a, an issue that was going to go anywhere to a Christian, uh, especially from the West. The idea of taking away civil liberties was alarming. Um, I was most alarmed by the idea that 
that Christians in the West would somehow decide this was an issue to stop supporting Israel. So that was my my main concern at the time. Did you perceive that or that was just a concern that you were thinking? I've lived in Israel for 33 years and um, we've been working to change hearts and attitudes toward Israel and the Jewish people for all that time. And I I can't speak for all Christians. We're very divided. 36,000 denominations, Protestant denominations. Last time I I checked on the internet. Uh, And why are we so many? Because we disagree on something. And so we make another group. Um, So I can't speak for everyone. And you know, as well as I do, that within the Christian church over the centuries, there's been a lot of replacement theology, a lot of the idea that we're, we're now God's favorites. And he may at one time have had a, had a real covenant and a real connection to the Jewish people, but you know, they didn't act right. So now he's kind of given up on them. And our organization has really worked to fight against that. Now, most Christians don't know that they have been taught replacement theology. In fact, most Christians I know in in the United States and Canada and other Western countries, they really don't know much about the history between Christians and Jews at all. Sure, sure. Uh, Shirley, you're nodding actively. Um, what's your sense of why the, why the came became public and such the storm that it was now? Um, actually, for me, the interesting thing was that when I go outside of Israel to talk to Christians, many of them actually thought that Christianity is banned or the message of the gospel is not allowed in Israel. So I actually take pride to tell them, no, no, there are churches. We can, we can meet on Sunday. Nobody is persecuting us. Um, there is religious freedom. And, uh, and so that's all, always something that we're very proud to tell Christians outside of Israel. This is a reality in Israel. Um, for me, I understand Jewish people rejecting the message. I don't see it as persecuting Christians, um, because the, the gospel message, unfortunately, like Becky said, it really has not been a blessing to the Jewish people. Uh, it caused so much pain throughout the history. Okay. So, so I completely understand. Um, and we try to help other Christians understand that uh that this is you know why the message is rejected um however um personally we do not feel any persecution at all in israel um so i actually yeah i actually saw messages coming out talking about you know now it's the end time look christians are being persecuted again and so we really have to calm that nerve um among Christians who are posting that and, and they try to stop that, uh, try to tell them this is not towards Christians. Um, it's the message because of 2000 years of Christian anti-Semitism. Sure. Um, so all the more we need to live out our faith, uh, shut our mouths and live out our faith. <laughs> and, uh, so that's our approach to resolve right. this. Well, what's yeah. interesting, and, I, and now that it's, it's, I guess it's not a coincidence, but it wasn't really meant to be deliberate. I had a number of conversations, but it was conversations by by coincidence, if you will, with the three of you that really helped me in a, in a sense frame a very lengthy article that I wrote. Uh, the, the long version is on charisma.com. The shorter version is on all Israel news. But my, one of my criticisms of the bill 
was that it was very vague. So when we, so you could theoretically read into it that it was going to be a broad ban. Becky, you said civil liberties or religious freedom, um, that there could be persecution. And, 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 and rhetorically, I wondered to myself, well, uh, Becky, your, your husband is a tour guide. My wife is in the tour guide course now. Could that mean that by going to a Christian site and speaking and reading from the New Testament about Jesus, could that in, in fact somehow be twisted to become something that would be illegal? Could my hosting a, a webinar or podcast like this for inspiration of Zion, inspiration from Zion be something? And all of that was seen, was it is taking things to an extreme, but because of how loosely the, the bill was written, it allowed for that interpretation. Um, question to each of you. I, I don't know to what extent, although Adam, probably you more for sure, because you're in the business of journalism. Was the, were the initial reports, it seemed like there were a lot of bombardment on this, um, especially with the message that Christianity was being banned. Was, was there something to that? Was it substantial? Was it fair? Was it clickbait or was it just a, a complete misunderstanding? No, I think it was it was that um, whoever was was pushing it uh, had an agenda. Um, even the people who, who from the Christian side, um, they had an agenda, which I'm not really sure what that was, to be honest. Um, there was one journalist in particular. I don't, I don't want to uh, I didn't speak to him, so I don't want to speak in his name. Um, and they, I, I think they, they were trying to, to get a reaction, uh, which is, like I said, they wanted to get the Christians up in arms, uh, to be, to be clear for clarity purpose, uh, proselytizing is not illegal in Israel. Um, proselytizing is legal with the limitations that you're not allowed to proselyte, proselytize to minors. And I found out there's a, there's a, um, addendum on the condition Unless one, unless one of the parents Correct. belongs to that religion, in which case you can teach that person about that religion. Um, and you're also not allowed to offer um, monetary uh, incentives. Uh, yeah, I think maybe a lot of it had to do with it hit a lot of uh, open nerves um, for different people. You know, um, I, I think maybe uh, th there are... I think there are Christians who feel um, maybe not threatened, but if they can't, there there are limits on 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 proselytizing. They it's also Israel is the first time the Christians are may experience being in a minority, mm -hmm. um, and to be really, which is an unusual experience, um, they they won't get it anywhere else unless they go to a Muslim majority country. Um, also. I mean, let's be honest, honest, Jonathan. We all know that um, you and I are friendly and smiling, but there are Jews in Israel who are anti-Christian. They're xenophobic. They have a, a vision of Israel as um, the <laughs> as Judenrein, as cleaned of cleansed of of every other religion, um, and that's not a house of prayer for all nations. I. It's an anti-Torah uh, position, but we do encounter it. And there are, yeah. and we've even encountered it amongst people who 
claim to be working together with Christians. Um, well said. Well said. They, so, so not to be, you know, ingenuous, uh, the, it, it exists. It it's, does exist. It is. It, it is exist, a amongst and uh, it's painful. It's painful for for those of us for well, for all of us. Do you have children or know somebody who does? If the answer is yes, you need to hear this. This year, in celebration of Israel's 75th anniversary, the Genesis One Two Three Foundation has launched an incredible art contest for your children and Christian children all around the world. The contest, What Israel Means to Me, gives your children the opportunity to show why Israel is special to them through art. They can draw, paint, color, or illustrate this in any way they want. The contest will be judged according to different age groups, with real prizes awarded to the winners. Please visit whatisraelmeanstome.com for details, contest rules, and how to register your child. Deadline for submission of all entries is in April, and the announcement of winners will be at a live event on May 14th. Please don't delay in registering your child, and please share this with others who will also want their children to participate. Visit whatisraelmeanstome.com and join us today. Becky, you 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 were nodding before on on something, and I don't remember what what point it was, but it was actually something that we had talked about uh, in, in a private conversation. Or it's just as well that I'm not remembering it. Um, but what what it, uh, going back to the question that I asked Adam, was the reporting on it fair from a you know from a was a clickbait? Was it complete misrepresentation, inadvertent? What what what's your thought on that? Well, um, I, again, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything bad about anyone and, and I can't really guess at the motivation of someone else. I can speak to the fact of what Adam said is that it is interesting to be a minority. Uh, and I've experienced that in Israel. And in actuality, it has helped me to understand the Jewish minority in other countries because I understand what it feels like to, um, not necessarily be accepted. And I've been here 33 years and it has improved so much, but I still don't expect to be lauded uh, because I'm a Christian doing uh, things for Israel. I still wait for the other shoe to drop. And I understand that in some levels that that happens in the Jewish world as well. When you're in the United States or in Europe or something that you're waiting for something to perhaps trigger the other side. So I understand that whole mentality. I also um, understand that there is an awful lot of history that goes behind everything like this. What I would like to say to Christians is just as you don't view every Christian as being exactly like you, please don't view every Jew as being exactly like one another. So even though Mr. Gaffney keeps coming back to this, it doesn't mean that every other Jew in Israel has the same sentiments. And I, I think that's important that we not uh, not get sucked into something that really is rather prejudicial to view everybody of a certain nationality as being alike uh, is really kind of prejudice. Now, I I've been here long enough to remember one of Mr. Gaffney's other attempts in <laughs> 1998. Actually, the bill was different. In that case, it was to outlaw any literature that might lead to the proselytization of someone to another religion. 
And that got the attention of a lot of people, including my former boss, who worked behind the scenes and also a little bit in front of the scenes to try to get that stopped. Because at that point, it was like, is the New Testament then going to be viewed as a book that is no that you're no longer as a Christian allowed to carry in Israel? Because it could be viewed that way. So Mr. Gaffney's been at this for a long time. Um, and as uh, Adam said, it has never gone anywhere. And it's interesting to note that he doesn't think it's ever going to go anywhere. Um, and uh, I think we need to just call out for a little bit of understanding one of another. And um, that's something that comes gradually in my experience. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and religious that- freedom also means something different to Jews and to Christians. And in Israel, it means I am free to worship. I am free to gather. I am free to read my holy books. I am free to pray. It doesn't necessarily mean culturally that I'm free to um, try to convince other people to change to my faith. Thank you. Thank you for saying. And by the way, one of the interesting things about the bill, as much as I really disliked it for a lot of reasons, um, in a sense, it protected everybody. Because it it did single out Christians and Christianity, but it prevented, I have a lot of, a lot, I don't want to overrepresent it. I have Christian Arab friends who have a very hard time living among their Muslim neighbors. Mm-hmm. Now, now in Islam, it's very easy, and I'm not castigating all Muslims, that's not my intention here, but it's very easy if you're a Muslim man, you marry a Christian woman, lo and behold, you have Muslim children and they're recognized as such, and that doesn't involve any persuasion um, it's not involved the conversion. It's not proselytizing. It's it's a marriage. I, I don't know how those marriages are registered here in Israel with our with our laws, but but so be it. Um, but but a, an anti proselytizing protects each faith community from proselytizing, and and Christians are the minority here, really. And I feel that we have an obligation as Israelis and Jews, especially to protect Christians and Christianity here in Israel. So I, I took that as a positive, but I don't think that was played up sufficiently. Shirley, you were you were one of the people first who shared some of the, um, for lack of another word, I think it's a fair word, negative messages that you were getting for, with me, uh, or, 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 or you, I, I received from you uh, some of the okay. ones that you were receiving anonymously. And some of them were quite jarring. Do you want to talk about what what were some of the most jarring or concerning things that you had to deal with in this? Um, it's just focusing on the the perceived uh, feeling that Christians being persecuted by Jewish people. Um, for many Christians, actually, I, I can say for many because I encountered them that. Uh, when they read the scripture, uh, New Testament, you know, ended about a year 50, 60 AD, right? And at that time, so for example, using Apostle Paul's example, uh, he was persecuting uh, new believers, okay, in Jesus at that time. And uh, so in many Christians' minds, that is what Jewish people are. Ah, great. Okay. Great because they, they, wow. that is the Jewish people they know. Um, even though, um, you know, Jewish people have gone through such huge amount of history and, uh, has transformed throughout history. Um, but, uh, but 
for many Gentiles, they don't know any Jews, especially I deal with uh, Asian Christians. Um, and sometimes when we talk to Christians, they will ask, like, do Jews still sacrifice, um, you know, to to Baal or, um, you know, those that kind of image? Because it doesn't matter if it's from the Christian scripture or the Tanakh. It doesn't matter because that's what they read and that's what they think. And so when um, some of the posts I got was, you know, Jews are persecuting Christians again. And the, the again, of course, came from came from that. And so we really have to do a lot of education and have to say, no, uh, that's not the case. Um, I personally live here. I do not for, feel persecuted. Um, it takes a lot of education. So yeah. so and, 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 and there is hope because it's education is what's needed. Um, so we just need to be patient and uh, and do the work. That's a, if, if I if I may, Shirley. That's a, that's a brilliant point you just made. Um, because as a Jew, when a Christian talks to me about Jews persecuting Christians, I'm like, come on, get real. Exactly. It's, exactly. It's never yes. And and yes. now you're pointing out that mm-hmm. there that Christian that the New Testament has is is a precedent. It describes the precedent for Jews it. persecuting Christians. Correct. Which, Correct. yes. Which I saw is, a horrible bumper sticker, Jews persecuting Christians for 2,000 years out of what right. you said. But it never occurred right. to me because I don't think of that. But that's amazing right. that you right. brought that up. So yeah. so in our education, we teach that, you know, in the, in the Tanakh, you see that Jewish people were worshiping idols. However, in the Christian scripture, you no longer see Jesus addressing any of that, never brought up idols. So from so-called Old Testament to New Testament, Jewish people transformed. There's the sin of idol worship is gone. They changed. And then from New Testament to now, there's more transformation. So that's what we're trying to teach when we um, teach Christians is, you know, Jewish people are walking with God, just like Christians walking with God. It caused a transformation in us. Yeah. Same as in Jewish people. So thank you, Shirley. That's great. I, I, I neglected at the outset. I'm going to come back to the substance, but I neglected to make an important announcement. Um, we're going to do our best to field all questions, time permitting today, and, and we'll go on as long as we can and need to. Um, there were many, many good questions that I received in advance for those of you who registered early and <laughs> shared with the panelists. So they had a little primer about what they might want to be addressing. Um, I've got them printed in front of me. We're going to do our best. And I see that people are putting questions into the Q&A. I want to encourage everybody without any commitment that we're going to answer all your questions to use the Q&A feature here uh, as well. And one just matter of personal privilege. um, I see that my college professor, Dr. David Blumenthal, um, is part of the uh, program today um, in in whose class I had my very first um, exposure to Christianity and comparative religions. So I hope that I get a good grade as a result of this. Um, yeah. <laughs> Becky, I want yes. to come back to you. Uh, yes. the, you, I, I mentioned who you are and the organization that you head. And it's ironic, Yehuda Glick is not yet with us. Um, you're here among the four of us in Israel, the longest. Uh, and you represent uh, a ministry that goes back to the 1960s, That's right. um, which which I, I'm always in awe of and, and grateful for. 
And in that sense, you you will always have dealt with a very delicate balancing of things. Passionate about your faith and mm-hmm. passionate about building bridges, as in bridges for peace. Um, but it's not always it's not always easy. Uh, w- you you serve a whole global ministry. What were the things that you saw or heard in the last week that were most jarring or or concerning to you? Well, uh, maybe I can address uh, something that is sort of um, mentioned in the proposed law, okay, but is actually part of what is actually on the books. And that is that it is against the law in Israel to bribe or coerce or uh, force somebody to convert to Christianity or to convert to another religion. The original bill does not mention Christianity. And um, for us as Protestants, um, as evangelicals, oh, I can't even imagine why any evangelical would think it was a good idea to bribe or coerce or force or someone to to accept our faith. Because if something is is done by bribery or coercion or force, yeah. then it's not real anyway. Because to us, it's a heart relationship that we have with God. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do that you can make somebody magically become what you are. They have to, of their own free will and of their own heart, choose to be a Christian. Uh, so uh, that whole idea of of forcing, of bribing, of coercing, of pushing someone in a corner. I think that comes from uh, hundreds of years ago when it did happen to Jewish people in Europe, especially when people were persecuted when they didn't accept Jesus. Um, but today in our world, um, in our world of evangelicalism, it's it's just a mind boggling to us that anybody would think that could be a possibility because it wouldn't be real. Um, so that's one thing that um, I think there's a difference of opinion or difference of understanding yeah. from the Christians of today and the Jews of that are worried about it, that are making laws like this, that are harking back to something that happened hundreds of years ago and, and viewing us as Christians today, like it's the same. Yeah. Um, and so our organization has recognized that we can't change that terrible past. There's nothing I can do to erase it. There's nothing I can do to make it right. And so our whole emphasis has been, what can we do to make the future better? What can we do so that we can join together uh, at at a wedding or at some happy occasion, and we can sing as Christians and Jews. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together. Um, and we're working on many different levels to try to make that re- a reality, where we can have honest uh, conversation, where yeah. we can we can really be friends. Where uh, you know, the other night uh, we had a little we had a little discussion on the phone about some some item in the in in the Tanakh, and you said, "Well, it's this," and I said, "Well, you know, in the Christian scriptures, it actually is just a little bit different." And then and then we laughed because I said, "If this bill passed, I wouldn't be able to say that to you, and you wouldn't be able to go Correct. you know talk I'm... about it." But as friends, we talk about things, and it's not threatening to one another. And I would really love to see the day come when Christians and Jews can talk with with one another without it being complicated, without it being threatening to to one or the other. Um, So we're working on that sort of thing. And like Shirley said, we're working on education. We've been working on educating the Christian world about Israel, about why God cares about Israel, why they should care about Israel and the Jewish people, why we should never go back to the way things were before. Uh, I'm not old enough to be responsible for the Holocaust, Jonathan. 
we know. You know, so, I, I'm not quite that old. Both yet. age and and uh, and you know, your heart. <laughs> right, but uh, and I remember vividly the first time that I saw um, actual newsreels from the Holocaust, and I remember just crying, sitting in a in a dark room in my college, just weeping that that could happen and going to my father and saying, how could this have happened? Why weren't more Christians helping and so on? So my heart has always been not, not that I can change the past, but that somehow, some way I can make it so it doesn't happen again. Thank you, Becky. I want to stick with you. Um, I want to, I want to bring Yehuda Glick's not here. So I want to bring the elephant into the room, The, the bill, the bill at its, at its, core at its presumably at its intention was to present and prevent and uh, make the legal punishment for proselytizing that much stronger. Um, Becky, you're here the longest among all of us uh, on the, on the panel, on the conversation. What's your perception? Why do you see the proselytizing is a problem here? Okay. How to, how to, how to say how to answer that that's give me a second okay. you know um, this is when you pull the, I think it's a out of the hand grenade and start yeah exactly start i'm trying to catch it or let it go past me <laughs> <laughs> um so i think it's a problem here because there are no young jews as uh our friend moshe kapinski says we're all at least three thousand years old oh good okay so I think that the, the the problem is that the Jewish people have a very long memory of everything that's been done against them. And of course, in the last 2000 years, unfortunately, many times it was people who called themselves Christians, whether I would identify them as Christians or not, is not is not the thing to judge here. But who called themselves Christians did horrendous things or turned their head while ter- horrendous things were happening. And um, because of that. I think that um, Jewish people are highly offended um, by any attempts by Christians to share what to Christians is simply the best thing that ever happened to us. Uh, and most Christians have absolutely no idea that when they share what to them is truly good news, is something that changed their lives, is something that made them, gave them peace and joy and fulfillment in life. When they try to share that with someone that they have come to say, this, this could be my, this, I really want to bless this person. It's not received that way because of the history. And, um, so, so I think we're coming, they, we come at it from two different places. And I think the Christian is genuinely, um, nonplussed doesn't know why he gets that response because they really don't know the history. Yeah. And David Flusser, who was a Catholic scholar who wrote a, who wrote a book called the anguish of the Jews. And one of the quotes in it was one of the things he said was Christians have forgotten the pages of history that the Jews have memorized. Mm. And I would even go farther coming from the United States. I think most Christians in the United States never knew those pages. Okay. Good. Thank you. Adam, let's, let's hear a Jewish voice. Why is proselytizing, why, why is proselytizing a problem for, for us, for Jews here? Yeah, to be honest, when I first, before I started connecting with Christians, I, I had no problem with proselytizing. Um, because, and, and like, like, because I'm like, if they can convince a Jew to accept Jesus, that's our fault. 
we we did not present that Jew with with Torah in the way that God wants us to. Um, <clears throat> and then, as I got more into connecting with Christians, when I realized that we're really on the cusp of bringing about a house of prayer for all nations, we're on we're on the edge. We're seeing the glimmering of a new dawn, an amazing new era coming in, and we're seeing the the the, the pangs that are happening before the birth of something amazing. Um, and the problem that I see with, I've become more militant against proselytizing the more I connect with Christians because I realize what's at stake. If if a person goes off and believes what he wants, okay. But the proselytizing generates mistrust. I can't sit down with a Christian who expects that the end result of the relationship will be that I will accept Jesus. That is, it's, it's, I can't sit down with him. And worse, I know that all my neighbors, um, will not accept him as a true ally, as a true friend, as a, as a brother. Um, and that proselytizing is preventing the geula, is preventing redemption. It's redemption. preventing, um, because it's generating this mistrust. It's preventing the house of prayer for all nations. Um, and, and that's the big problem I, I have with that. I've become more militant about it lately. Um, and, and like, like, like Becky pointed out correctly, it's almost inconceivable to Christians are like, what problem do you have with it? This is the best thing. And it's like, to be honest, I, 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 I love hearing about Christians faith. Yeah. I love, I love, I really do. As an Orthodox Jew, I love hearing about their relationship with Jesus. It's, it's like, it gives me something to strive for. I'm really that personal, deep relationship in, in your every day, every moment. I have a best friend who's with me all the time. Gosh, I wish I had that. So I don't mind hearing about it. The, the problem is when the finger points to me and you must. Yeah. That's when it changes. If you're like most people in the world, you know about the Holocaust, but never met, much less interacted with a Holocaust survivor or heard their stories of suffering and survival. With the remaining elderly survivors dying at an unprecedented pace, in less than a generation, there will be none alive. Yet, while they did survive, and for that we need to celebrate them, many still suffer trauma from their youth. As they age, they have increasing needs, and living on fixed incomes, sometimes with no pension, things as simple and essential as basic foods, heating in the winter, medicine, and inflation can push someone over the line from surviving to struggling again. It can create stress in their lives that reminds them of the suffering they endured as young people. It's just not acceptable that anyone who suffered as much should struggle with basic needs or any undue stress in their twilight years. I want to invite you to join the Genesis 123 Foundation to bless the survivors. Yes, we pray that you'll donate personally and do so generously. And when you do, we also give you the opportunity to send your personal blessings and words of encouragement to the survivors themselves to brighten their day and let them feel your love. Having been privileged to provide financial resources to help survivors on a day-to-day -day basis, I know it makes a difference and is very appreciated. But your personal note that we translate into Hebrew, Russian, or Yiddish really makes them smile and warms their heart. I pray you'll join us 
by going to genesis123.co slash hug a survivor. That's genesis123.co slash hug a survivor. And please share this with others. We can't undo the suffering that they endured. And there's no limit to what the needs are, but we can never do too much to comfort them in their final years. Please join us. God bless you. There's an interesting thing that I want to pick up on between what Becky said and what you just said. For us, we're born into it. And you you and I suffered a physical trauma when we were eight days old uh, a, a, as a result of being born Jewish. So we don't even think about sharing our faith because it's just something that we were born into. But for Becky uh, and, and Shirley, who have consciously, I mean, we do this at our bar mitzvah, supposedly, if you're mature enough as a 13-year-old boy, but but a, a evangelical Christian who who him or herself embraces Jesus is is receiving something. And Becky, you said it's the the most wonderful thing. So how would you not share it? Uh, it, it makes sense. But I, I compare it to um, to going to visit a friend who you really have great expectations, and and they're like, here, have some chocolate cake. And you're like, well, I'm diabetic. No, you must have this chocolate cake. And I'm like, please, no. No, how, this chocolate, look, it's so good. It's great chocolate cake. Yes, it's yeah. great chocolate cake. If I eat it, I will die. Okay. And that's what I see as the, as, as the proselytizing. Yeah. Um, Thanks. Shirley, you, you not only host volunteers who come here and spend the better part of a year working and living among us, uh, but, but many of them are coming from non-Western countries. Um, you, you also travel a bit in developing nations where they don't have any Judeo-Christian background. And you have to address the issue of proselytizing in a unique way. Can you talk about that? So basically for our organization, we want Christians to see the Jewish people, to see beyond the fact that Jews don't believe in Jesus. Because if they, when they see Often when people see Jews or Christians see, uh, think about Jewish people, the first thing come to mind is they don't believe in Jesus. And if they stuck on that, they will not see what God is doing. Uh, so they're missing out. So we try to help Christians to see beyond the, that, that fact. Um, and uh, we, we want Christians to see the Jewish people first before they open their mouths, before... Uh, before they have any kind of a preconceived notion. And so here we, in Israel, we bring Christians into the synagogue, um, into uh, Orthodox synagogue. Um, and Baruch Hashem, we have a very good synagogue here, and uh, which crazy we're members of. And so for the past, you know, 10 years, we've been bringing Christians into the synagogue to see how the Jewish people connect with the Lord. And uh, when they're in synagogue, they can see there's a solid connection. Um, th- they need to see that before they they can think of anything else. Okay. Sure. Um, so that's, and then when we go out, I bring videos, I bring recordings um, to really show off uh, God's people who are restoring Israel right now. And, uh, and really, we have to trust um, God to do what he said he would do. Um, often, what, what, also, is, what does that mean? What does that mean? Okay, often um, Christians, another thing we educate, 
was um, to help Christians to see in the Bible um, God's promise for Jewish people and that the promise is alone for Jewish people. And because earlier Becky mentioned uh, Christian uh, replacement theology, and because that replacement theology, so when sometimes when Christians read the Bible, it's a total confusion of what God is saying, whether it's to us or to Jews or to whom, you know, and often Christians just take the promises uh, for themselves. And so the blessings are for us and the, the, the curses and punishment, punishments belong to Jews. And if you read Bible that way, then yes, Jewish people do not have a future, but we need to help them to, to read Bible the correct way, to see that within the context, uh, yes, God talked about punishment, but immediately God always talked about restoration. And that restoration belonged to the same person that God is punishing. Um, you know, along is the uh, same as new, the new covenant. It's with the same people who broke the covenant. God says, it's, I will make a covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Um, so we try to help Christians to see that. And uh, these are the promises for Israel. Will God actually do what he promised? He already bring, he, you know, he's already bringing the people back. Um, will he continue? Of course he will. So, yeah. What do you specifically tell people, Shirley, when they're coming here to volunteer or to visit um, uh, uh, as far as proselytizing? Ah, um, so we actually bring in volunteers. We collaborate with Ministry of uh, Labor, Social Welfare uh, on their program called Volunteering Israel. And so we recruit volunteers. And we don't keep these volunteers because I want these volunteers to see Israel. So we we place them in Jewish organizations. Uh, so they work alongside the the local uh, local workers. And uh, no, we tell them um, they're here to serve. They're here to serve and to learn. And and they have to put that um, uh, that desire down for for a bit and also i teach them about we teach them about uh christian anti-semitism for the you know two thousand years for them to to see what we have the christian have done to the jewish people um so um many of them do not know that history but once they know that history um they understand uh why uh, jewish people feel the way they do towards Christianity. Sure. Becky, how about you? Bridges for Peace brings lots of volunteers. How do you deal with that? Um, which is a, often an instinct, more than just sharing your faith, but actually proselytizing with the intent to convert somebody. How do you address that? So first of all, uh, very in many ways, very similar to what Shirley just said, is that first of all, we help people to understand the reality of of the Christian, I mean, the Jewish experience over the, the centuries. Um, and, but we, we tell people, we're not asking you to deny your own faith. You need to be a Christian. Uh, but we, we ask them to set aside the, the methods that they've been taught of how to reach people with the, with the good news of the gospel. And, um, you know, uh, 
sometimes I get the feeling that Jewish people think they're the targets of Christianity. The facts are Christians are looking at everyone around the world that doesn't know Jesus and saying, wouldn't it be wonderful if they knew? So it's a, it's you're not a unique target. Let's put it that way. Any rate, we we have um, certainly helped them to understand the conflicts between the two faith systems, and we encourage them to concentrate on the things that we share in common. After all, uh, two thousand years of pointing a finger at the Jewish people and of trying to change them was not very effective for anybody. Uh, wars were <laughs> held over some of these issues, you know. So we we encourage them to concentrate on the things we have in common, and in fact, we have a lot in common. Uh, we both believe that God is merciful and that He's forgiving, uh, that He is a God of love. We both believe that um, that uh, He is the Creator. We believe that he has a great plan for uh, for for all of the world. We believe he has a redemptive plan. We 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 actually share a great love for the Psalms, the Tehillim. Uh, both communities read them. Uh, many Christians read a Psalm every day, as well as one of the Proverbs. Uh, it's it's something that I think we share in common. Uh, you know, we both share a hope for a future era of peace, a messianic age. Okay, so you know, we don't agree on who the Messiah is, um, but we're we're willing to leave that in God's capable hands and to say, okay, how do we serve you now in this reality in this place? How do we how do we show the Jewish people that we have a heart to bless? We're not we're not looking for Armageddon. We're not looking for the destruction of the Jewish people. We deeply mourn the fact that that happened in the past, uh, that the Holocaust killed two thirds of the Jews of Europe and one third of all of world Jewry. That is something that causes us pain. Uh, And um, we're willing in, um, even though it does mean that Christians put aside the, the, something that they call the great commission, the, the sharing of their faith with other peoples. We put that aside for, for the fact that we recognize the sensitivities of Israel and the Jewish people. And we say, okay, God, we're going to trust you with final status issues. Okay. Adam, also, you, you, I'm glad you want to interject. You were smiling at something that Becky had said on those final status issues. Well, I'm smiling at something that Shirley said and Becky said, Shirley, you said something that just, blew my mind you said you're trying to teach people to look at jews and i don't know how how exactly you put it to see us is more than just not believing in jesus and if you do a lot more to that yeah and if you do that i think the connection is just boom um we have so much in common Uh, and even i mean i hate to drag it down but um these days in the politically polarized environment um, we have an awful lot in common as well. The family values, the social issues, uh, something I never thought I'd see. Uh, we have we we can we have a lot in common. I've learned Bible, New Testament and Old Testament with Christians, and we both benefit. Uh, mm-hmm. And and the and the Bible is that important to us, uh, and we can both benefit from that. It's 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 it, two two sides getting a new perspective. Mm-hmm. I think I think there and. And proselytizing gets in the way of that. Mm-hmm. And, and Becky, you, you said something also that's like, you said the great commission to, 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 can you put that aside? That's, that's a huge, 
that's a huge so job. I would suggest that most Christians cannot put it aside, Adam. Mm. You know, um, yeah. and, and I will say this, we tell our staff about the history. We tell them about how Jewish people feel when they're encountered, especially when they're, when they're pushed, uh, when they're, when they're made to listen to something they don't want to listen to. And so we tell them, don't do that. Don't make people feel like you're shoving and pushing them. But we also tell them, we're not asking you to deny who you are. And if somebody asks you an honest question and you want to answer, you can answer. Um, but that's a conversation. To me, that's not proselytization. Uh, and uh, maybe that would make my Jewish friends a little uncomfortable. But if, uh, John, and if, and if you come to me and say, um, ask me to explain something that Christians believe, yeah. I, I, I don't feel like I should say, oh, well, I shouldn't talk about that, you know. Um, so I think we have to, if we're going to be real friends, we've got to be able to talk, but I don't, I, but I shouldn't be forcing something on you that you don't want to talk about. Yeah. I think it's when the finger turns to me. Yeah. That's when it changes. I have a few Christian friends. Oh my gosh. When they tell me about their faith, it's, it's, I, you know, I, I, I go, I go to synagogue even more. <laughs> it's great. Um, but as soon as a person turns and says, you know, you should, or I expect you, or in the end of days, or, or, um, if you want salvation, that's when the, that's when the conversation becomes unpleasant. Excellent. Thank you for, okay. This, uh, first of all, I happen to love where this conversation is going and I love that you're all interacting and that's great. Um, I want, I, at the, with the responsibility of being the host here, um, I want to move it along and I'm really trying to do my best to address questions that have come in before and monitor the ones that are coming in now. And I apologize to everybody who doesn't feel that I'm at, we're going to answer their, their specific question precisely, but I'm, I, I'm doing my best to bundle them up. Um, we, we actually cut with Passover coming up. We could be here all night like a Passover Seder. Um, but we're not going to, at least not this week. Um, there, there, there were a bunch of questions that I got. I'm just going to read four of them, uh, questions, statements, and I'd like you to address them, each of you, if you wish, if you wish to or, or, uh, or not. Um, what is the future of Christian missions to Israel? Where are we at a prof, at, at, where are we at in prophecy in this regard? What could this mean for end times, Adam? That was a, 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 a set to you, and prophetic implications of this type of legislation. If I if I may, I want to preface uh, the answer. Um, I had um, a, a rather enlightening experience when I spoke to Bishop Glenn Plummer. Um, he explained to me when you when you talk to a Jew about missionaries, it's it's like oh, it's horrible, um, but that's not the Christian experience with that word. For them, a mission is a positive thing, and it's not about proselytizing. It's about service and acts, and that really, that's something that Jews don't understand. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to put that in. All right. So, um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but my father was a clergyman, yes. and his specialization was Bible prophecy. So I grew up hearing every kind of theory under the sun because he'd have Q&As in his meetings and I'd hear every kind of thing you can imagine. And what I can tell you is that there are 
is a great deal of disagreement about what the Bible, both the Tanakh and the New Testament, has to say about Bible prophecy amongst Christians, and a great deal of theories. But sometimes people will speak about their theories as if it's absolute fact. They're dogmatic about their theories. And um I I had I had conversations with my father after he was retired and said, Dad, I'm not sure about this theory and maybe it's this theory and so on. And he's he would say to me, he says, Becky, he says, you know that I like this theory the best. He said, but it's not something that is is relating to your salvation. It's theories. And he said, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be dogmatic about our theories. Um, I've, I've told Christians just recently, I've, I've said, look, why are there so many theories? It's because the Bible isn't clear. It doesn't tell us exactly. Uh-huh. It's not clear when, you know, um, Isaiah said this or Jeremiah said that, whether that happened 2000 years ago or whether it happened during the Roman time or whether it's still something in the future. It's just not totally clear. So I would be really um, shy about trying to um, convince anybody about exactly where we are in the prophetic realm. Um, I just think that it's um, got a lot of theory in it. Um, And I think we need to be careful. And I especially tell Christians that because if we want anybody to think there's any credibility in our message, then we got to quit being dogmatic about things that turn out to be not true. Good. Great. (laughs) Shirley, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I want to talk about the future of Christian mission service Okay. in Israel's service. That That's the only thing. Okay. Um, I, I remember, you know, so, so we do home visits a lot with actually when we go out, we go out with our Jewish friends. Many of them want to be a part of it. So we go do it together and also social workers. And uh, but we always tell um, the people we're visiting, you know, um, this love, this gift is from uh, from Christians. And, uh, you know, who love you. And often we hear the recipient said, that's not possible. How can Christian love us Jews? Yeah. That's not possible. Okay. So this is something that Christians really have to work on. Um, 2000 years of history, uh, you know, caused so much pain. And we need to know that. And we need to have a repenting heart towards, towards the Jewish people. This is really the number one thing. Um, um, and also one thing we teach about is, uh, is, uh, the Gentile attitude towards the people of Israel in the Bible. Doesn't matter in Tanakh or in Christian scripture. It's all very consistent. Um, that those who love Israel will be blessed and those who even smallest criticism. Mm. Okay. Or didn't bring out bread, didn't bring out water, and look what happened to those Moabites, right? Um, so, so we need to learn from from the scripture. Go back to the scripture um, to, to 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 learn those Gentile attitudes toward the good Gentile attitudes towards Jewish people. It's for our own good. It's for our own good. I want to pause in the conversation for just a moment to invite you to join us in one of the really incredible programs that we do as part of the Genesis 123 Foundation. This year, we have been going out 
all throughout the Judean mountains to show love to soldiers who are stationed keeping us safe from the threat of terrorism. It doesn't matter if we're in a burning heat wave or temperatures below freezing before the wind chill, they are out there guarding strategic points that have a high risk of terrorism. And thanks to the support of many people like you, we are pleased to bring them homemade hot soup in the cold of winter and cold drinks and sweet watermelon in the heat of summer. Any donation is meaningful and helps us to bless the soldiers. You can join us and donate at genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. That's genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. And when you do, you also have the opportunity to send along your own personal words of thanks and blessings to the soldiers guarding the land and protecting the people. Please join us. Thanks for There's sharing. There's no well, other I'm, way. I'm glad you shared that, Becky. You and I know because we've done it uh, together, preparing and serving soup, one of the projects that uh, we yeah. do from the Genesis 123 Foundation. And to your credit, you bought me a bigger soup pot to make soup at home and then serve more soldiers. Um, but when I go out in the in the winter and serve soup, or when I'm giving watermelon in the summer all around Gush Etzion, all the way down to and throughout Hebron, Hebron um, I will, as long as I'm not interrupting their guarding, I will invariably tell them that this is funded, paid for by Christians who love you around the world. And, and that leads to some fabulous conversations because certainly young Israelis have no substantial interaction with that, Christians. That should be um, bilateral. It should be actually symbiotic. But Pesach Waliki, he explained to me um, that when, that I think that, you know, the third temple, I'll go there, I'll bring my sacrifice. I'll show up at the Kotel Plaza um, and all my Christian friends will come around and say, here, could you take this up to the, the temple for me? I'll have like, I'll have a hundred sacrifices. One of them is mine. Uh, we're we're, we're going to be a, a kingdom of priests. We have to serve the other nations. And if we don't, and if you don't love someone, you can't bring their sacrifice. You can't act as a priest. I, I love that. Thank you for saying that. I want to uh, begin. Go ahead, Becky, go ahead. I would just like to uh, go back to something Adam said before, uh, saying that um, that he is he is um, encouraged when he hears other Christians share about about their faith. And I I just want to say that after living here for 33 years, that I have been greatly blessed by learning from my Jewish friends. Um, and um, where we lived in before this, we lived right next to a yeshiva. And they would bring in groups of of men from New York, and I would I would open the windows on Shabbat and just listen to the music, and it just was so calming. It was just so it was so joyous. I I in fact I would stop them in the street in the uh, on Sunday morning and say, "Wow, what you did yesterday! It just was it just made my Shabbat." Um, and learning from people like uh, David Nekrutman and um, various people. Uh, it's it spurred us to jealousy for for the things that you know that we don't know. The fact that you read the Bible in the original language, and there's so much that um, that riches that we miss. And uh, so I, I I think there's a little bit of mutual admiration here, Adam, um, because there are things uh, that the Jewish people have taught me that has deepened my faith. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, I do want to read one comment here. It goes back to the conversation about proselytizing. This is from uh, 
I, I guess this is my shameless self self plug uh, from my professor David Blumenthal, who who writes at the end of his comment that I get an A for bringing us together. I want to know if I get an A for implementation, but I'll take the A on getting us together. Uh, he, he he has a great long history, and again, I mentioned that at Emory, this is my first exposure to Christianity. Um, he writes, having strong disagreements with others is part of life. According to the news media, we seem to be in the middle of very serious disagreement about very serious subjects. It's not disagreement. I'm old enough to have learned Jewish history such that I could recite all the dates and places of all the Crusades, but the past is the past. So history is not the issue. I think the issue is God. That is the inviolability of the chosenness of the Jewish people. Proselytization challenge this, challenges this even for Jews who don't believe. I think that is the issue. Does God love us or not? Proselytizing says the answer is no. How do we deal with this? Um, just a, just a, if anyone want, wants to comment on that, but I wanted to put that comment out. Anyone like to respond to Dr. Blumenthal? I think, uh, I think by getting caught in the bad narratives of the past, both of us suffer. Uh, I'm finding, you know, at first I was like, oh, replacement theology is bad. And then I saw its effect on Christianity and I realized, oh, it's really bad. Mm. Um, and and most Christians don't understand fully what replacement theology is. It doesn't understand how it's so nefarious and how it's so much part of their culture. And at the same time, if the Jews are stuck in this in this victim narrative um, that that demonizes um, Christians who come to us in love uh, will never move forward. We we have to we have to move past these things that are holding us back. Christians and also you have uh, you have a narrative about Jews that has to change. Um, God willing. Got it. Okay, so you know what that 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 segues to where I want to begin to wrap up. Um, tensions. I mentioned in my open that uh, from my perspective, the genie's out of the bottle. I don't know if you can ever put a genie back in the bottle all the way. Um, but certainly the bill, not not the bill, it was actually the reporting of the bill, because as Becky mentioned, going back to the 90s, Moshe Gaffney has been proposing bills like this. It was just this last week that it got blown up in the news media. How do we, how do we put the genie back in the bottle? How do we rebuild relationships or, or uh, repair things that have been impacted just in the last week alone, I, I think for a lot of us, it was a big setback. Who would like to jump in? Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I I don't think we need, I don't think we should put the genie back in the bottle. I think it, uh, it revealed some very difficult truths that we have to deal with. Um, that, that, uh, and this is another thing I learned from a Pesach Wiliki, is it would be it would be wonderful if Christians understood uh, what proselytizing means for Jews. Um, I think I think that's really important. Uh, I think the Jews should should acknowledge, and it's it's something that one of the worst character traits you can have is ingratitude. And I think if if the, there's an enormous amount of ingratitude from the from the Jewish side uh, that we have to we have to get over. And I think this, in the midst of the the crazy pol- political stuff that's happening in Israel, 
this exposed, um, I think, some difficult truths that we've been avoiding, um, that we we need to acknowledge and we need to work with. Great. So, uh, thank you. Yeah. Becky, Shirley, you want to put the journey, the genie back in the bottle, or are we going to ride, let it ride, and how are we going to deal with it? I think we have to always be moving into the future. Jonathan, we can't, we can't deal with the past all the time. And you know what? I believe in a amazing, glorious, blessed future for Israel because the Bible says that the Bible says that God has a great plan for the Jewish people and for the nation of Israel. And as Israel steps into more and more into that God ordained role to be a light to the nations, I just want to say that those of us Christians that get it, uh, those of us at Bridges for Peace, we're going to be cheering. We're going to be happy. We're going to be so happy that to see how God is fulfilling his promises in the life uh, and of the nation of Israel and the people of Israel. And we're going to trust God to work in all the world uh, with his redemptive purposes, because as Adam said, it's supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations. Um, it, it, it demands of me a level of trust in the almighty. Um, it's not me that's going to do it. It's that he has made promises and he's going to do it. And I'm going to try to partner with him as much as I can. Um, and I, what that means for me and our organization is we're going to continue to share with Christians around the world about the need to recognize that God is really doing something. He is working. He is active. He's bringing the Jewish people home. He's reestablished the state. He's reestablishing the land itself, which lay barren for centuries. Um, and to understand the great love that he has for the people of Israel. He's not fickle. He doesn't just stop loving because people don't do things the way he wants them to. Um, and the church, you know, the church is always desired the blessings of the God of Israel. And so I'm telling uh, my people, I'm saying it's time we recognize that there is an Israel of God. If we want the blessings of the God of Israel, we need to recognize that there is an Israel of God. Excellent. Shirley, you want to add anything? For us, it really doesn't change anything. Um, Only make me realize how much more work we have to do. Uh, it doesn't really change anything at all um, because we do not proselytize. We also try to we try to really get Christians to realize that uh, if they don't see Jewish people, there is a side of God they do not see. Okay. Um, in, in Tanakh, um, over and over, God says, you are my witness to the nations. And uh, if we do not look at this Israel, we will miss out a certain side of God. And the Christians are missing out by not seeing Jewish people as who they are. Um, so we want Christians to jump on this uh, train that has already left the platform. Very nice. Thank you. So, yes. Uh, I, I promised at the beginning to the three of you, that we were going to save a question at the end for each of you, if you wish, to address to one another. We've been having great interaction, but before I get to the last question um, and then close, we're going to invite Amy to come in and uh, close in prayer. Um, do do either of you want to ask a question or address one another? I have a question for you, actually. For me? Oh, boy. Yes. Okay. Um, I wasn't you said prepared you were... for that. <laughs> you, you, uh, this is easy. 
you said you received email and messages from uh, other Christians about yes. about this. Okay, were there any email that's hurtful that oh. caused you a bit pain to read? Could you tell us what they are, or is there one that you remember so that all your audiences and 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 us and we can um, see what caused caused pain in you? Wow, thank you for asking that. There was one specifically today, and I my, one of my weaknesses, or maybe strengths and weaknesses, is that I engage people, and I got a message, uh, an email response to an invitation. So it was somebody who was already in my database attacking me for having this kind of a conversation and program. And I didn't understand what the person was attacking me about. And so I engaged. I say, you know, please clarify. I'm happy. Join us. We're going to address the issues. And the attacks got more personal and deeper. And at some point I just said, okay, I'm out. Um, But I didn't really understand where this person was, but it was clear that it was not even on substance, but there was some nerve that this hit that I became the punching bag for. And it's not the first time, um, but this specific issue and this specific event um, caused that. Anyone want to ask anyone else something? Okay. So here's the question. Now I'm going to, I ask, I'm asking, in fact, I'm going to bring you in now, Amy. So you're ready. Remote to panelists. Uh, when we're ready for you, but what I, I love, I don't think if I were only working with Jews, I would get a question like this in from, from somebody, but, but among Christians, this is bread and butter. So someone said to me and in one of the questions in registration, how can I pray? So my question to you, the three of you is not to pray, but what do we want people to pray for as a result of this? Becky? Well, um, I want to, I want to pray that our communities will learn how to talk to one or one another respectfully, that we will be able to really honestly, um, be friends with no conditions on either side, that we can talk honestly with one another. Um, but at the same time, I would really like to get Christians all over the world to pray about the issue of unity. Um, in Israel, uh, something of really deep concern to me that um, that we have a situation where we have brothers fighting against brothers. Um, mm. So not only do we need unity between uh, Christians and Jews, the, the two peoples in the world that both love the God of Israel, but we also need unity in the nation of Israel. Thank you. Shirley, what, how, what, what do we want to answer the question? What are we praying for? Um, praying for that. Um, oh, we Chinese always like to look at ourselves in the mirror, okay? <laughs> so, so for, for Christians to, um, to go back to the Bible and to see Israel from God's eyes. Excellent. Adam? <laughs> I think I'm at the stage of my life where, where my praise goes something like, Keep it like this. Keep it coming. Don't change any. I'm looking at what's happening. And, you know, people who don't see that we're really, we're, you know, we're so close. We're so close. The, uh, 
just be here, you know, watch it happen. Don't put yourself, if I pray for anything, it's just to not let, let myself get in the way of of the amazing things that are happening. Um, I mean, you brought us together on Zoom, which, you know, five years ago, give me a break. This is impossible. And um, I, I, I learned amazing lessons from, from Becky and from Shirley. And that's, it's a huge blessing that blows the mind. It's an, it's an impossibility. It's, it's, it's a moment. It's a, it's a, it's a nice, it's a miracle on so many levels. So just keep it coming and let me get out of the way of it happening. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Um, Becky and Shirley and Adam, uh, terrific to have you join today. Um, what an enlightening conversation. I knew we, we, we got into the edgy. Um, it was definitely honest. Uh, we, I, I believe we created understanding amongst Jews and Christians for those who are listening at that level, whose ears are open. Um, but I don't think we, we certainly didn't answer all the questions and we certainly haven't unruffled all the feathers. And one of you said, I think Becky, it's take, it takes time. Um, so that, that I, I, I will pray that yeah. you, the three right. of you and that all all of the people that we've referenced and the people who are here following this and who will listen and who will and, and who will be inspired by this will will take their own part um, that we can continue to. Can I say uh, one more thing, Jonathan? Of course, of course. So I would just like to say to any of um, any of my Jewish brothers or, or sisters that are watching this. That if anything I said was offensive to you, that it wasn't said with a heart to offend, um, because I have the deepest respect and honor for the Jewish people. Like I said, I have learned so much. And, um, so I don't, I don't want to anything that I said to be divisive. Um, I know that everybody in the world wants to be loved for who they are. And I see that in the Jewish people. It's like, accept us and love us for who we are. And so I just want to say that we do. We do accept you, and uh, we're working uh, to help other Christians understand that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thank you, thank you. Um, I brought in Amy Zewi, who who I was embarrassed to to when I when we met a few weeks ago, embarrassed that we haven't been connected for years and years and years, but we should have been, and we are are have been operating as as parallel partners, and now have the privilege of being as par- uh, being partners in a couple of things already. Um, Amy is with the Jerusalem Connection. And um, Amy, I uh, invited to to close us out before I do some announcements, just to wrap it up, to close us out in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we just thank you with every fiber of our being that you can bring us together, your children, that we can interact with each other and befriend each other. And Lord, we just thank you for the technology and the opportunities to connect when you're ready for us to connect and that we can continue to lift each other up. And Lord, for the work that Adam and Jonathan and Becky and Shirley do, Lord, I am personally so grateful for their efforts and am excited to learn from them. And I hope everybody who is hearing this podcast or seeing it can find that vision in their hearts that that by seeing Jews for who they are, we are seeing God for who he is. Mm-hmm. And Lord, we just thank you again for the many blessings that you give us and that you can 
bring unity to your children. Lord, we pray for the people of Israel, all the people of Israel right now, as they are dealing with ideas and policies and wrestling with, with those efforts, Lord. And I don't assume to be an expert or to comment on any of it, Lord. I just pray that you continue to move your hand and give them safety and insight. And Lord, I just pray for the Christians around the world that we never stumble in our own egotism or lack of knowledge of our collective past in order to see the love that and realize the love that you want us to have for them. And Lord, we ask that you continue to bless the work of all these people on this panel and continue to provide the resources to continue it. And we ask this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, This has been a delight. I neglected at the outset to do a little bit of self-promotion just about the Genesis 123 Foundation. So I'm going to wrap up by just saying to thank you for everyone who's joined, who's listened. Uh, do follow us at genesis123.co if you'd like to donate. Um, we have a place where you can do that there to help us keep programs like this possible. Um, you can follow the Inspiration from Zion program as webinars and as a podcast, which is awesome. And also one of the really exciting things that we're doing now is a terrific art contest for Christian children called What Israel Means to Me. And the website intuitively is whatisraelmeanstome.com. And we want Christian children from all over the world to illustrate what Israel means to them and, and be part of this contest for which we've already begun acquiring some fabulous prizes. And we're going to uh, end, the, end the submissions in May and announce winners in June. So I invite everyone to be part of that and all kinds of other projects that we that we are uh, doing. And I'm grateful that everyone was here. Thank you to the panelists. Thank you, Amy. And thank you to everyone who's joined tonight. God bless you. If you've stayed with us this long, you deserve a reward. Earlier last year, the Genesis 123 Foundation began offering a special gift at the end of every episode. Each month, we give away a special book a special volume. We call it From Jonathan's Bookshelf. This month, we're giving away a copy. It's a little bit different. We're going to pick one person at random who shares and likes and comments on this episode and give away a brand new book that we've actually published called Bubby's Story. It's the memoir of a uh, 99, almost 100-year-old Holocaust survivor here. But if you email us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com and say you want Bubby's story, we're going to send you an electronic copy for free. So please go to Inspiration from Zion on all the social media and like and follow us. And when you comment and share the link to this program, we will select one person at random to receive a copy of Bubby's story, the hard copy. We're always grateful that this podcast is sponsored by our friends at the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. If you're ever in the area and want to pop in and say hi and thank them for helping make conversations like this possible, please do so. And also special thanks to the Coyne family for their meaningful sponsorship. Inspiration from Zion and all the Genesis 123 Foundation programs are made possible by donations. So please consider joining to help us continue the dialogue and build bridges. And this episode, because of the unique nature of it, is sponsored not just in honor of our three guests who joined us, but everybody, Jews and Christians who work in this space of building bridges between Jews and Christians, and who overcome some sometimes very significant hurdles 
in the process. I want to say thank you and take my hat off to everybody who's in this space and hope that we can continue to build bridges and create understanding. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode in honor or memory of a loved one or special occasion, please be in touch at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. We'd always love to hear your comments as part of a dialogue and invite you to send any questions as well, especially questions you have about traditional Judaism or our Ask the Rabbi programs. Please share this information with others and and those who will find it of interest to continue to join us right here as we bring you more meaningful conversations about unique topics relating to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else. Wherever you are in the world, I pray that you and your loved ones are all safe and healthy and send my blessings from right here in the Judean mountains. God bless you. Hallelujah.